Uh, this hour, we'll talk more about uh, what's being referred to as the Manning Reports. The Emergency Review Panel released its final COVID-19 report and recommendations for the Alberta government yesterday. It's called the Manning Panel because Preston Manning, a former Reform Party leader, uh, was uh, tasked with chairing that panel. So it makes some recommendations uh, for maybe how legislation could be changed. It says it was about recommending changes and additional legislation to better prepare the province to meet future public emergencies. The mandate of the panel was not to conduct an overall inquiry into the government's COVID-19 response, but to review the statutes that provided the legal basis for the government's response to COVID-19. Uh, so it makes some recommendations, some of which the government is already doing which is interesting. For example, the government recently announced that they were going to amend the Public Health Act. In fact, this actually stems from a court decision that struck down some of the public health orders because they didn't come from the Chief Medical Officer of Health, they came from Cabinet. So the Public Health Act is being changed to make it clear then that it is legitimate for Cabinet, for government, to make those decisions. So that's already in the works, but that's one of the recommendations in this report. Also talks about the need to improve uh, the capacity of the healthcare system, something the government says they are already doing. And some of the broad themes here, it says improving the focus and performance of the administrative and regulatory framework that's used to respond to province-wide public emergencies, to balance the protection of Albertans from the harms caused by public emergencies, the protection of their basic rights and freedoms during an emergency period, and as I mentioned, addressing some of the issues in the healthcare system. So joining us uh, for more uh, on the report, its work, its recommendations, uh, is the aforementioned Preston Manning. Mr. Manning, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Okay, thank you. Uh, so talk a bit about what this panel was, what was it tasked with doing? Like, what was it not part of your mandate? What was part of your mandate? Well, it's a legislative panel, basically, uh, and there's a, one long sentence that describes it. We were to uh, examine the legislation which authorized the orders and regulations whereby Alberta responded to the COVID crisis and to propose amendments to that legislation or additional legislation to better equip the province to handle future emergencies. So basically, we were to look at the legislation and try to figure out is there any way to improve it so that uh, Albertans are better served the next time there's an emergency. Not just a health emergency, but any province-wide public emergency. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what I'm curious about because I think, you know, now, and in, in looking back at COVID, we have the benefit of hindsight. And I think certainly in, in early 2020, we had no idea what we were dealing with. Uh, so how applicable is all of this uh, to a future emergency that doesn't look anything like this one? Well, some of the uh, recommendations are, are specifically targeted at that. One is the question of uh, uh, who, who should be responsible for the overall coordination of the response, because mm -hmm. while the emergency may start as a health emergency or something else, uh, if the response measures have economic effects, social effects, legal effects, other effects, uh, the, 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 who's ever coordinating the response has got to have that broader perspective. So one of our recommendations is that the Alberta Emergency Management Agency, which is provided for by a provincial act, that it be made the coordinating, overall coordinating agency. And if it has to be strengthened or beefed up in order to do that, that that should be done. 
Is it, this doesn't mean like if it's a health emergency, of course, Alberta Health will have an enormous role to play in, in formulating the response and in implementing the response. But if the response measures have these broader implications, we, we say that that emergency management agency ought to be the overall coordinating body because that's where its expertise lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, as noted, some of the recommendations, it, it seems as though are already in the works. Uh, changing the Public Health Act to make it clear that, you know, government's in charge, cabinet's, uh, you know, in, in a position to make these important decisions. The government maintains they are already moving to increase the capacity of the health care system. Is, is there some redundancy in these recommendations? Well, that, no, that's a very good point. Uh, this panel's been going for a year, so the government has been actually doing some things during that year. And in that last chapter on the uh, uh, improving the capacity and performance of the Alberta healthcare system, we acknowledge that the government's done a number of incremental changes already. We list them, and then we and we commend them. But then we say, here's ten more incremental changes, in, sort of in the same direction that could be uh, implemented if the government so choose chose to do so. Right. And I mean, you know, further to the fact that, you know, this report recommends things the government's already doing. I mean, it seems like some of the re- recommendations do line up with maybe the government's or the premier's perspective on some of these issues. And I think that was a criticism at the outset that uh, that you are you know, have been close in the past with Danielle Smith. Your expressed views on a lot of these issues were, were very similar. So what about that side of it? Well, we we ask people just to look at the report and try to decide then whether it's it's worth the value or whether it's uh, it's prejudicial in one way or another. With, with respect to what what you raised there, we we don't recommend these measures that the government's done. They've already done them. All we did was list them to acknowledge, as you you just raised, that the government's already doing some things in this area. What what will be of interest to the reader is we propose ten other. Uh, incremental changes and all of these are compatible with a universal system and all of them are in compliance with the Canada Health Act. Right. Uh, On the point about civil liberties uh, and and rights and freedoms, uh, this report seems to come down on the side that not enough was done to protect basic rights and freedoms. Uh, What led you to that conclusion and what, what needs to change? Well, we start we start with this question of balance. The challenge for governments, not just Alberta government, but every government in this crisis was how do you balance the protection of citizens from the harm that the emergency creates and how how do you balance that protection with the protection of rights and freedoms which also gets strained particularly during an emergency by some of the response measures and we, we argue that uh, because those rights and freedoms are are more strained in a emergency than they are under normal conditions we ought to strengthen the provisions in the bill of rights uh, to provide more protection for those rights and freedoms and to give some direction to the courts that you're to give as much attention to protecting these rights and freedoms as you are to the other protective measures of the COVID response. You know, you talk about, you know, different kinds of situations. I mean, for example, President, we saw during the, the forest fires this year, as governments were, were, you know, dealing with public emergencies, you know, had people who, you know, said that, you know, forcing me to leave my home or not allowing me back into my community is, is violating my rights, these sorts of things. So when we hear those claims, like, how do we judge the validity uh, of those kinds of claims and, and balanced with, you know, the, the emergency that we're dealing with? Well, ultimately, the judgment is not that of the media or, or even the government. Ultimately, the judgment on this balance will go to the courts. 
And uh, what uh, we, we say is we have about 20 amendments to the Alberta Bill of Rights to beef up those, uh, those protections. The, the other thing, and this is a general point that uh, I've made for years and others have that talk about uh, championing rights and freedoms, there's a duty on the part of people that have those rights to exercise them responsibly. If you if you increase a right, you also increase the duty to exercise them responsibly. Mm-hmm. And if the le- if the legislature so wished, you can actually put that duty into the Bill of Rights, not not just the expansion of the rights itself. Right. We we, we raise that possibility, and uh, and that's one way of getting that balance that you're uh, you're talking about. But I mean, even the concept of balance, I mean, that that's highly subjective, isn't it? Well, not in law. In what sense? Because you can you can spell out in law what the rights and protect and the freedoms that you're trying to protect, and the government can spell out in the event of an emergency the response measures that are to be undertaken, and a court can look at what is the proper balance. That's basically what courts do when these types of cases get to get to court. Mm-hmm. Right, and not everyone's going to see balance the same way. Oh, no, no, but at least you have a discussion on what's the appropriate balance. And uh, if you've got the protection of rights and freedoms clearly spelled out in the uh, in the Bill of Rights and the government spells out the protection from harm in its response measures, you've got the ingredients to at least to try to find that balance. You've got, mm-hmm. you've got a better set of conditions for establishing that balance than exists if those things are imprecise or not defined at all. Right, and that, as you say, that depends on the nature of the emergency. Yes, and that, that's a, an important point. And this, this report and its recommendations pertain exclusively to province-wide public emergencies. Mm-hmm. We, we don't change the, uh, or don't recommend changing the legislation with respect to how to handle local emergencies. And in fact, that's one of the problems of our statutes, that the Education Act, the Public Health Act, never envisioned uh, a province-wide public emergency. The, the Health Act is mainly geared to what does the, the Chief Medical Officer of Health do in the event of a local emergency, uh, a disease outbreak in uh, Redwater Hospital or in some particular community. And uh, But our recommendations pertain only to what would you do, or how would you approve the legislation to cope with a province-wide public emergency, which hopefully is not going to happen more than uh, a couple of times a decade, if we're fortunate. Well, yeah, it, no kidding. I mean, you know, but I mean, in a situation where we have a, a virus that's, you know, 10 times more deadly than COVID or, or a virus that, you know, affects kids more than adults or is killing kids, like that would change the entire equation of what's a balance or what's reasonable, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. Oh, yes. And that's what we're trying to fix the legislation to better equip it to handle those types of situations. Right. But again, it comes back to the point then that it's 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 very subjective, both in terms of gauging no, no, the, the no, scope of the severity not, of the situation, what count constitutes a balance. No, that's, that's not correct. That's not correct. It's subjective from your standpoint. It is not subjective from the standpoint of law. If you spell out in the statute exactly what you mean by protection of rights and freedoms in the statute, and if the government in responding to an emergency spells out exactly what the response measures are, you've got the two ingredients, you've got each end of the teeter-totter in which to calculate the balance. 
And that's not something that media people do. It's not something even necessarily that politicians do. It's something that judges do when these types of cases get to the courts. And legislation is giving direction to the courts. Uh, that that's part of the purpose of it. Well, okay, and further to that, though, this report suggests that, uh, that that government come down on the side of those making the claim, that if a claim is made about an infringement of rights, uh, that that would become the default position until the courts say otherwise? No, let's say to the courts, you take into account that position. Don't have a presupposition, on the other hand, that what the government's do- doing is the right uh, thing to do. Try to find the balance between the two. And uh, as I say, the other other balance element that we include, and which you haven't mentioned, but the report does, is that when you strengthen a right, you can also strengthen, and you can do it by legislation, that there's a duty to exercise it responsibly. If you don't exercise it responsibly, then you've infringed that right, or or you've you've, uh, you've, uh, exercised that right in an improper way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a part, part in here about uh, you know, a recommendation to incorporate different perspectives in the response or even incorporate uh, non-scientific perspectives as part of a scientific assessment. I think a lot of people have picked up on that. I just wanted to get some explanation from you as to what that means. Well, the indigenous people's perspective on health and healing is somewhat different than the scientific perspective. It's rooted in cultural uh, norms. It's rooted in cultural and uh, practical experience. And so we're saying that that kind of, uh, of evidence uh, should not be excluded from the consideration of what's the proper way to respond to uh, uh, a public emergency. I mean, what, what was improper about how the, the government at the time, uh, you know, gathered inside recommendations information? Well, we're not condemning anybody. In fact, we commend the the doctors and the nurses and the healthcare workers and the education people that were put under enormous strain throughout this whole thing. What our report's intended to do is try to make sure they're never faced with that kind of situation again. But with, with respect to the expertise that was brought to bear, often what happens if this emergency, let's say in this case, is a health emergency, what you immediately assemble is health expertise. Mm-hmm. And that's what the government did. But when the response to that health emergency has economic consequences, in this case, uh, an 8% contraction of a $300 billion GDP economy, $24 billion worth of economic damage, when the uh, response measures affect us, uh, 1.6 to 1.8 million uh, Albertans, which the... uh, the school lockdown measures involved. When the response involves a whole bunch of action at the lower courts where people are trying to get the court to sort out protection of their rights and freedoms, this goes way beyond health. And so our recommendation is that the, the, the expertise you bring to bear ought to be multidisciplinary. And we propose particularly that the uh, Alberta Emergency uh, Response Agency be uh, that, uh, a science, a senior science officer be assigned to that agency and they be made responsible to assemble an inventory of science advice and science advisors that is multidisciplinary that the government can draw upon no matter what the nature of the emergency is. Yeah. Well, you quickly, I mean, you you touch on school closures in the reports that would make it a lot more difficult to do so in the future. Isn't that a rebuke of, of, of government decision? No, I think we point out that the government itself learned something from that. Yeah. The, 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 the first 
school closure, and the most drastic one was from March 2020 to the end of the school year. And uh, say that this had enormous uh, implications, particularly learning loss and socialization losses, which the government itself acknowledged. Uh, Alberta Education spent over $100 million trying to repair the uh, le- learning loss side alone. And, uh, but we, we, our recommendation is that you, you never consider locking down the schools again. And th- this conclusion's been reached in other jurisdictions, except under very unusual circumstances. And if you have to do it for the shortest period of time. And as I say, the, the government actually uh, seemed to learn that itself because the other two school closures later on were for much shorter periods of time. Well, the report is out. It's online. Uh, Alberta.ca folks can find it. Uh, I'd urge people to read it. We'll see what the government decides to do with it. But uh, in the meantime, Preston Manning, thank you so much for joining us here this morning.